Um, you know we have some pretty fine musicians here, right? See, because we take that stuff for granted. You know what I'm saying? And uh, thank you to all of you who participated. We're, we're, uh, we're really blessed. Well, I want, to, uh, I want to extend to you the best for this new year. Can you believe it? We're stepping over the threshold of 2017 into 2018. I can remember when uh, thinking about all of this stuff, um, looking at the year 2000, thinking like, that is sci-fi. Oh, I wonder what it'd be like in the year 2000. I can't even imagine what 2000 will be like. And you know, when 2000 was coming, it was kind of interesting because um, Gerda was a nurse working at a hospital, um, on Y2K. Now, some of you, you don't even know what Y... Anybody, you guys know what Y2K was? Yeah, the young people, by and large, don't know what that is because here's what's happened. All the computer programs were kind of... They were built off the 1900s. And so when everything would click over to the year 2000, they're thinking, you know, the programs are not going to function because it's going to look... They only use two digits. It would be zero zero, and that would be... 1900 and everything was going to freak out on us and so Gerda and and the hospital was all uptight about what's going to happen they had staff extra staff in there they had IT staff in there because when you start and get all reliant on computers and then something could go all fluey um, and and you know what nothing happened and largely nothing happened but everybody was kind of freaked out about Y2K and stepping into another year. Something I found is that uh, the older I get, the quicker New Year comes. I know some of you guys think it takes forever to get through the school year, and, and as you get older, it just starts, the years start going like this. And, uh, and here we are uh, at 2018, ready to step over the threshold of 2018, peering into another year of, well, who knows what? Um, who knows what to expect? Uh, ready or not, here we go, into 2018. Now, you may be looking at this year, and you may be really jacked about all of this, because you've got some big plans for this year, and things that you're anticipating, and you, you're thinking, this is going to be fantastic. This is going to be an incredible year. I can hardly wait. Maybe this is the year in which your baby's going to be born, and, and you're just waiting with anticipation of that. Maybe you're thinking, there's a, pro- there's a promotion for me at work this year, and so you, you're just... Uh, really excited about all that that can mean. Uh, maybe it's this is the year that you'll be starting university, and that's kind of scary but exciting all at the same time, being able to do that. Or there's this budding relationship, and you can hardly wait to see where it's going to go, and everything looks good with that. Uh, there's a, a, maybe a, an exciting business plan that you're going to unfold this year, or maybe it's retirement, and you're looking forward to that. Um, in your life. Maybe there's a wedding in the offing 2018. I'll be getting married. The date is set and all the rest of that. Beginning a new job, but you're really cranked up about 2018. And then there's some of you who are not so excited about 2018. Uh, 
this moving into a new year is kind of a foreboding exercise. Um, there's a threat in your business of shutting it down. They're going to close the Canadian office that you work in, or, or there are layoffs and you don't have the kind of seniority that you're going to be able to make that cut. And uh, you're, think, you're not looking with a lot of excitement to 2018. Um, you're wondering how you're going to make it. Perhaps your marriage is, has been in trouble and you're really struggling and you kept it together for the sake of the kids through the holidays, but you're just not sure what's going to happen in 2018. Um, and maybe you're st- struggling with a difficult diagnosis and you're undergoing treatments and, and there's this whole huge cloud over 2018. You don't know what's going to happen and you're praying and you're hoping and you, you're doing everything you can, but you're not so excited and enthused about it. Maybe one of your kids is in a deep funk. Maybe, maybe they're, they're, into, they're, they're, they're hooked on some drug or something. Maybe, maybe it's somebody who's, who's struggling mentally and is in a deep, deep pit and can't seem to get out. And you're approaching a new year with apprehension and fear and anxiety. Well, whether you're excited about 2018 or whether you're looking with some fear or uh, anxiety about it. Uh, there's one thing. None of us knows exactly how this next year is going to go. We can make all of our plans. We can, we can map everything out and, and, and think of just what we're going to do and how everything is going to work out. And it, when we look back at the end of 2018, we may find it didn't go the way that we thought. Maybe for better and maybe for worse. Um, when, when we look at it, when we, when we get there, uh, you may be fearful of what's coming ahead, but the truth is that none of us really knows how things are going to turn out. There are a lot of things that are outside of our control. Uh, politics. Who would have thought two, or three, two years ago that Donald Trump would be the president of the United States? Could you have predicted that? I mean, they're surprised politically. Things will, can change and happen. The economy is out of our control. Our health is, uh, in, in some cases, largely out of our control as well. Um, there are things like the weather or how other people act or what other people do, and it impacts you, and you have no control over that. For some of us who like to control our environment, it can be a little intimidating uh, to and scary and anxiety producing to recognize that there are things that we don't have any control of and so here we face a new year and the question I have for us today is how do we face the uncertainty of a new year going ahead with so much unknown with so many things that could happen or might happen or things that will catch us off guard how do we prepare ourselves for an unknown future that's out of our control in this journey of life as we step across the timeline of 2017 into 2018. Well, there was a person in the Bible who faced a kind of a similar dilemma, you might say. He was beginning a journey. He was beginning a journey that promised a whole lot of blessing. But as he looked at this opportunity before him, as he looked at what was coming, he recognized that not only did he anticipate great blessing, 
but that that journey had in, in it, inherent in it, dangers and risks involved. And that's our journey in life too, isn't it? We can plan and program and all the rest, but that journey that we take uh, may have inherent dangers and risks in it. And this person recorded his thoughts for us, and he wrote Psalm 121. And uh, if you don't have your Bible with you, I want to invite you um, to take the Bible in the back of the seat in front of you, the burgundy-colored Bible, and turn to page 516. 516. Psalm 121 is a a part of a collection of psalms. Now, last summer we went through the book of uh, psalms uh, as much as what we could do in the in the summertime, and the psalms are the prayer book or the song book of the of the uh, Old Testament. And they were put together in different collections. And the specific collection that Psalm 121 fits into the whole 150 psalms or songs or poems um, is a part of uh, a collection that each one of these from Psalm 120 to Psalm 134, you'll see under the title, A Song of Ascents. A Song of Ascents. And what that means is it's a it's a... A journey psalm. It's a pilgrimage psalm. Now, three times in the year, all of the diff- all of the Israelites, uh, adult Israelites, were required to go to worship in Jerusalem. So these were songs that were given uh, and collected that could be sung as they made this journey or this pilgrimage to Jerusalem, and uh, they were all called Psalms of Ascents. And um, these psalms. Uh, you'd start singing when you left your home and you traveled to where you went to and then in all likelihood you would sing them as you headed back to your home. Um, And uh, so they were heading to Jerusalem and even if you were heading south to Jerusalem you would talk about going up to Jerusalem because Jerusalem was on a mountain. It was was an, an area of elevation And so you would think of going up to Jerusalem even though you were heading south. So as these uh, pilgrims would travel, they would sing these different psalms um, as they went. And uh, in Psalm 121, the psalmist is launching his journey. He's beginning his journey. And he says this, I lift my eyes up to the hills. And then he kind of has a little bit of a freak out moment. Here he is, if, if he was going from the north of Israel, or if he was coming from the south, or wherever he was coming from, he looked and what he saw were hills on the horizon. Uh, looked Stuff that looked like this. Stuff that looked, well, not all that easy, or, or lots of mountains and lots of areas of desert and wasteland and, and wilderness there. Uh, it was those kind of sights. And as he looked at them, and he's excited about going to worship and all the, the tens of thousands of pilgrims that would be there and, and how the people would worship and praise the Lord and, and celebrate. Um, and he looked at the hills and he stops. And he has this moment where it sends a shudder through him. 
And though the hills are, are a place that they had to travel through, though the mountains are places they had to get by to get there, um, they also represented danger. Uh, robbers would hide sometimes and lurk in the, in, the, in the mountains and in the hills. And as people were heading, uh, they would accost them. They would often uh, do things like beat them and take their money. We have in the New Testament that happening to the, you know, with the Good Samaritan story. But here's a place that well, it can be a little bit of a dangerous journey, although they're going to this wonderful place. And he says, I lift up to my, eye, my eyes to the hills. And he gulps hard. And he says, where does my help come from? How do I know I can make this journey? How do I know I can get there? And then he assures himself in verse, uh, in verse 2. He says, my help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. I want to point as, as he consoles himself with this dangerous journey. He consoles himself and, and he, he starts out by saying this. My help comes from the Lord. Now you notice in there in verse 2, Lord is all in capitals. Capital L-O-R-D, all capitals. Whenever you see that in the Old Testament, what it signifies is the personal name of God. Now, we don't even know how to pronounce it correctly. Probably the closest we can come to is Yahweh. Um, Some use the word Jehovah. There was such reverence for the name of God that they didn't pronounce it out loud. They would say, my Lord, or they would say the name, but they wouldn't pronounce the name. So we're not even sure how it's pronounced. But he certainly talked about the Lord, and he says, "Um, my help comes from... Yahweh, the Lord. That is the covenant name of God. That's a reminder that he is their God and that he entered into a relationship with them. He said to them in, in Exodus, he said, I brought you out of Egypt on eagle's wings. I freed you from slavery, from the Egyptians. I brought you out. And, and it's though I flew you out on my back like an eagle would, a mother eagle would protect her baby eaglet if it fell out of the nest or if it was trying to fly and was going down. And he says, uh, I, 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 I flew you on eagle's wings and I brought you to safety. He says, You know what? You didn't do anything. I chose you. I reached out to you. I protected you. I provided for you. I brought you out. I saved you, in other words. And all of that was at God's initiative, not theirs. And so when he says, my help comes from the Lord, he's remembering all the promises that God has made as the covenant God. He remembers how how central God is to everything in his life and all that he has done for them and that he is in a relationship with this God and it, oh, it's overwhelming for him. Not only is this the Lord, the covenant God, this is the creator, the maker of heaven and earth, the creator, in other words, the creator of the whole universe. He has limitless power and wisdom. He has full control over everything. Everything submits to him and to his will. And so when he's launching in this dangerous journey, he stops and he says, my help, my help comes from the Lord who made us his people, 
who did all of these wonderful things. And, and my help comes from the one who is the creator of heaven and earth and everything that exists. And as I begin this journey, I remind myself of who my God is and what he means to me and what he does for me. May I pause just for a moment? Because this, to me, begs a question. God wants you to be in a relationship with him. He reaches out to you. He says, I want you to be my child. I want you to be my, uh, one of my people. I want to reach out to you, and I want to make a way for you to come to me because that relationship with God has been broken because of our sin and our rebellion against God. And that has put us in an adversarial stance with God, that we are with God. We're like this. I'm not going to do what you say. I'm doing my own thing. You, you can't tell me what to do. And, and how we violate God's, uh, God's character and his laws and what he wants for us. And even though we're, we're in that state, God loves us. And God made a way through Jesus Christ who died on the cross to take the punishment for our sin upon himself so that we could be forgiven and accepted by God and be his people and be in his family. And you're not automatically in that family just because you're a human being. You come by God's gracious invitation to put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ who took your punishment so that you could be forgiven and accepted and a part of his family. And you need to put your trust in what Jesus did to do that. Well, what a great way to start 2018. If you've not yet done that, I want to encourage you to open your heart to Jesus Christ, to begin that journey of 2018 as a member of God's family, that you can say, the the Lord is my helper. That you can say, he's my God. He's my Savior. And in he, the one who is the creator of all the, 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 the universe is the one who gave himself to me. Well, the psalmist assures himself as he starts this journey. I know that this looks dangerous, but he says this. The Lord is my helper. He's the maker of heaven and earth. He is my personal helper. And then he kind of tells us what this looks like in the next, uh, through the rest of, of the, uh, the psalm. Uh, first off, he says that God is for him a sleepless guardian. Look at verse 3. He'll not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. It's an interesting thing. The pagan gods had to sleep. The one true God never, ever sleeps. You never catch him uh, nodding off on the job. He is always awake, on duty, and vigilant. And, uh, and that's, as I said, that's not so with the pagan gods. They slept. They need to sleep. They, they, could, they could be asleep. That's why uh, Elijah was taunting the prophets of Baal, uh, who, were, who were standing up against Israel and, and uh, the one true God. And uh, Elijah was taunting them. Well, maybe your God is sleeping. Maybe you're going to shout louder and wake him up, and maybe he'll help you then. Well, that could never be said of Israel's God. He was always on the job. Very tragic uh, story of a little girl 
little girl by the, who was 14 uh, by the name of Elizabeth Smart. I suppose if you think of any place is safe, it's at home with the doors locked and in your bedroom sleeping at night. And uh, in, in uh, June 5th, 2002, in their Salt Lake City, Utah home, uh, a crazy man broke into the house and abducted this 14-year-old daughter. Dad and mom never heard a thing. With a ni- uh, at knife point, he told them he, w- he would slit her throat if she said a thing, and she- he'd kill her parents. He took her and for almost a year abused her and kept her with his crazy uh, wife as well. When their parents awoke in the morning, their daughter was gone. While they were sleeping, she was gone, abducted. They were unaware that anything was going on in the night. Why? Because they were having a good night's sleep. It wasn't until from June till March the 12th that she was found and rescued held captive for almost that time. You know what? You don't have to worry about that with God. Because God is always on the job. He's always awake. He's always vigilant. He's always watching over you and caring for you. And it says there that he, he won't let your, your foot be moved. He won't let your foot slip. Um, here's a pathway that we were walking on when we were in, in the Middle East. Look at the stones. Look at, look at, there's gravel. There's loose stones. You can easily fall. We were doing some of this in, in the, in the dark with, with lights, finding our way, but even coming down in, in the light. Our, our foot was slipping here and there, and we were having to walk on and around different rocks, uh, rocks of different sizes, and, 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 and here we were trying to find our way. And so easily, to sprain an ankle, to fall, to get hurt. But God says he's always there watching over us, vigilantly helping us, alert and never sleeping. Well, the second thing uh, we find description of this is, uh, he says, the Lord is your constant protector. Your constant protector. Uh, Listen to what he says in verses 5 and 6. The Lord is your keeper. Or your guard, your guardian. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The Lord, the sun will not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. Uh, if, you've, if you've been to the kind of terrain that we're talking about in the Middle East, the sun can be uh, your friend and it can be a terrible foe. Uh, when you go through areas of wilderness, and so many uh, of these, these areas are, are wilderness, they're rock there's stone, uh, there's, there's no water, there's very little of any vegetation. And you get out on that and the sun can fry you. It can, it can um, uh, uh, cause heat stroke and, and uh, uh, sunstroke. And when there's no shade and when there's no protection, we don't even think of that stuff, do we? We're in a, we're in a, uh, a home uh, protected from the elements, and we've got uh, heating and air conditioning. And, and, but when you're there and there's no water and there's no hydration, and for hours you're in there and there's no place of refuge, there's no, no, there's no place to keep away from that hot beating sun. Um, it can damage you seriously. 
It can damage your brain and your heart and your kidneys, and you risk death left in that kind of situation. It's dangerous, and life can be threatening. But he says here, the Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day nor the moon by night. The sun uh, that we rely upon for growing things and for staying warm and for life. That, that sun that was worshipped by ancient peoples. He says, you know what? You need to understand the Lord is the maker of heaven and earth. And all of these things are, are his. And he gives to us. And though they're good, they can also be dangerous. But God will protect you. He's a fortress, we heard this morning. He's a fortress and he's a refuge. Um, In in Psalm 91, he who dwells under the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. Can you see that protection? As, As God spreads out to protect his people. He is Almighty God, a shadow a protection for his, pe- uh, for, for his people. He's our shade. He's our SPF, two million, to keep us from harmful UV rays. And it says, strangely here, it says, and the moon won't hurt you by night. And uh, commentators are not quite sure how to take that. They wonder whether it means, well, night and day, he'll, he'll always be there to protect you. When the sun and the moon, night and day. Um, also, you know, I, I mentioned that Gerda was a nurse. And she, she would find, they would find at the hospital that on a full moon, some of the patients would go a little loopy. Moon, lunar, lunacy, an effect. And whether he was saying, you know what, you don't have to worry about any of the, these things because God is your protection. Sun or moon, Everything is okay. He is, he will be with you. He will protect you as you go. Um, I remember, you know, I was probably 13 or 14 when I got um, a Schofield reference Bible from my mom and my dad for Christmas. And I remember the verse that they put in it. Uh, It was Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will Direct your paths was the old KGV, more, more uh, uh, closer to, to a better translation. He will make your path smooth. Do you see that, those pathways? And, and he's, God says, look, I'll be with you, and I'll make the path smooth. Although the path is dangerous, um, he will make it smooth. Well, finally, the Lord is your everlasting guardian. Look at verses 7 and 8. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forward, uh, forth, and forevermore. He's the one who will keep you from evil. He's the one, if you follow him, he won't lead you into evil. He will protect you. His protection is granted in all the affairs of life as you go out and as you come in. That's just another way of saying in your whole life, in everything that you do in your life, he will be there to keep you from evil. Um, You're aware of all these dangers that are lurking in life, but God 
extends his protection, even the tiniest details in life. You're coming and going. All, every activity, every movement. This isn't just a brief kind of thing that happens, although he speaks about day and night as he talks about the sun and the moon. But here he extends it from now to eternity. He will always be with you. His care, his protection never stops. So as we look at this year and all of the unknowns and all of the potential dangers that are, leak, uh, are lurking out there as we step over the threshold now into 2018, he wants to remind us that God will be with us through all of that. And that never stops. And he puts the psalmist's mind at ease. God, you are my helper. You are the creator. You watch over me. You never sleep. You protect me day and night. You keep me from evil in, in, in all of my life for now and forevermore. That is, we know, though we don't know everything in our future, we know that God would be with us in our future. I want to just add a little caveat on the end of this. Because the biblical writers and this psalmist is also aware that this doesn't mean that I'm not going to have problems in my life or difficulties in my life. When the Apostle Paul wrote in Romans 8 and 28, and we just looked at this a few weeks ago, he said, And in all things, God is working for the good of those who love him. In every circumstance, in every situation, the good stuff that we love and the tough stuff that, that, that confronts us in life, God is working in all of these, what? To make us the people that he wants us to be, to mature us, to build character in us, uh, to make us more like Jesus. The, it doesn't preclude that kind of a thing. But that God who also says that was the same God in Romans chapter 8 that says, What shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son gave him up for us all. How will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It's God who justifies. Who is it? Who condemns? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword, all the, all the scary, hard things that could happen to you as it's written, for your sake we're being killed all day long. We're regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I'm sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, or depth, or anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. And so he doesn't promise that there won't be some challenges and difficulties in life, but he promises this, I will be with you every step of the way, day and night. Take heart, God is in control. Take heart, God promises to be the one who is with us always, to all eternity. And so we hear those words, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. As we step into 
at midnight tonight, step into 2018. We don't know what's going to happen. We don't know what this year holds. But we can say this. My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Father, I pray that you would burn and blazon this truth on our hearts. Lord, some of us are going to have a fantastic year. It's going to be so many wonderful things are going to happen that we will revel in your goodness. And Father, for some of us, there are going to be some challenges and some struggles and difficulties that we're going to face. And no matter where we are on this journey and no matter what this year brings, I pray that you would help us to understand that as your children, we are your family. We're your children. You love us. You care for us. You'll never leave us. You'll never forsake us. And you'll be with us to get us safely through where you want us to go. And so, Father, I pray that you'd help us to realize this. We may not need this truth right at this moment, but we may need it sometime this year. Uh, We may need that assurance right now. And I pray, Father, that you would do that for anyone who's here and who's just struggling right now. Lord, would you be to them everything they need, that they know that you are a very present help in trouble and that they will be still and know that you are God. And I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.